Welcome, my friends, to Scrimey River, the Gaming Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. And Dennis has not shown up for work today. No, he's over in Las Vegas having the time of his life. Too busy to join me on a call to record Scrimey River. Must be nice. Dennis, over on the other side of the world, living it up large in Las Vegas, the city of sin. Uh, no, obviously he's over there for, for MTG Vegas, the CFB event that's, uh, that's taking place this weekend. So I hope he has a great time. But I tell you what, we're going to have a great time over here as well. Uh, on this week's episode of Smart, because it's going to be an AMA episode, just like last time, uh, episode 18. I couldn't believe it was that far, that was that long ago, 90 episodes ago. Um, but I mean, it just goes to show. I've been at 100, 100%. Every Smart episode, you know, you're going to get Ryan. No, don't worry about it. Dennis, well, you know, a track record now. It wasn't a once off thing. He shows up when he feels like it. He skipped an episode, he skipped another episode. I mean, who knows? You know, will he be back next week? They say what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Maybe he'll just stay in Vegas. I hope he doesn't. But, you know, it goes to show the level of dedication. But people might behind the scenes be thinking, oh, it's a 50-50 range between Ryan and Dennis. It is not. It is an 80-20 at best. I mean, Dennis, when he bothers to show up, doesn't even read the questions before, before ahead of time. So, you know. Anyway, we're going to have a good time. Don't worry about that. And I want to thank everyone who's sent in their, their questions. We're going to get to them uh, pretty much straight away here. But obviously, before we do that, we've got to pay the piper. Even though Dennis isn't here, we do have to pay the piper. A couple of exciting developments here. Uh, two very, very exciting developments with Channel Fireball recently. Uh, Dennis emailed me uh, uh, with an e- uh, he had, he sent me an email that uh, had two items in it. And uh, let's talk about the first one here. And then uh, I want to talk to you about something else that obviously is... It's a, it, Obviously, I'm, I'm very happy about it. Anyway, number one, Premier Card Grading. Um, Channel Fireball is getting into the business of slabbing bits of colourful cardboard and with Premier Card Grading, go to premiercardgrading.com, right? You can get Magic, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, Dragon Ball Super Cards. You can get them graded and they look really nice. I mean, you know, the, the you get you get a, a card that is put in a slab of plastic that says how good it looks. That I mean, it doesn't it doesn't always end up looking as sort of aesthetic, you know, because it is just it's now in one of them like safety cases, like the DVDs are at at, uh, at Walmart or whatever. But these ones look really nice, and um, I mean, I don't know if I've got any cards that are expensive enough to get graded, but if you do, premiercardgrading.com, premier um, get across it with Channel Fireball because uh, I mean, what what's the point? of having nice, fancy, expensive cards if you can't rub it in people's faces about just how nice and expensive and fancy they are. You need a panel of qualified experts to tell you exactly how nice and fancy. You know what would be funny, actually? What if I just sent them, like, a common? I wonder how much it is. I wonder if I wonder if it's worth the joke to just send them, like, a copy of, I don't know, Thrag Tusk or something, right? Just because I really like the card Thrag Tusk. Spoiler for an upcoming question. Um, I'll look into that. We'll see. That 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 could be worth the gag. Well, anyway, premiercardgrading.com, that was the that was number one. That was the first thing on Dennis's email. I want to talk to you about something else as well. Um after I, I'm very excited to say that we are now no longer using coupon code SMAR. The decision has been made to roll them in together and we're just gonna use coupon code night from here on out. Um this is a decision that, you know, I can tell you now. The people on the podcast here uh, today have really got behind 100%. Uh, I'd say 100%, yes, 100% of the people on the podcast today are, uh, are very, like, we. you know, I, 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 there's been a, um, I wouldn't call it a dialogue, but there has been a, I guess, a decision, you know, we've, we've certainly, I say we, um, 
the podcast as a as a an entity as a unit you know coupon code night we are deciding to sunset so coupon code smart thank you to everyone who has contributed to coupon code smart over the uh, over the months over the years but as we say coupon code night uh, that's where you head now to channelfiber.com. Make sure you uh, work in coupon code night for at checkout, of course. Best way to support the, the podcast. I mean, that's it, you know, coupon code smart, it, long, confusing, difficult to type. Uh, you know, which one do I use? Support the podcast, right? It's just hard, you know, a lot of hassle. So we're streamlining the process here. Um, this is something that, uh, once again, you know, we're very, so we, there's a lot of excitement about this decision. Um, and uh, a lot of very good feelings about it as well. So, uh, coupon code night at checkout, channelfiber.com, premiercardgrading.com as well. Thank you to all the uh, the sponsors. Oh, and of course, the Patreon. I nearly forgot the Patreon members. Thank you to all the cheese bags, fresh and or otherwise, who are supporting the show. Patreon.com slash River if you want to get involved. You could be listening to this episode ahead of time. There, are, there By the time that you, a pleb, who hasn't subscribed to Channel Fireball, oh, sorry, to um, Scrimy River's Patreon, by the time this hits your ear holes, other people, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people around the other, around the world have already listened to it. You've embarrassed yourself. Go to patreon.com, Scrime River. You don't want to be the last person to listen to podcasts. Absolutely not. You want to be on the bleeding edge of Scrime River's output. Scrime River, get across it, patreon.com. Uh, also, game nights, send in your sub- suggestions. If Dennis can be bothered turning up next week, we'll try to make some kind of decision or get a poll going or something like that. Um, otherwise, I don't know. I'll just play Knights of the Republic or something that I like if... Uh, if there's uh, if there's nothing else, because that'll be good fun. Anyway, um, that's it. Let's get on with the questions. I just realized that like my little drinking breaks, like that that I take are usually when Dennis is talking, but I guess you're just going to get them wholesale now. So look forward to that. Also, I can't do the, like I can't lean it away from the mic to <coughs> cough or anything else like that, because again, I usually do that while Dennis is talking. So oops. All right. Let's get into it. Once again, thank you to everyone who submitted. I tweeted out earlier uh, this week. I was like, I'm doing a solo episode. It's going to be Ask Me Anything. Uh, people certainly did ask me anything, a lot of things. Uh, most of the questions were fantastic. I think I'm getting across almost every single one of them, um, uh, except there are a couple of repeats from the last one. Uh, so uh, I- I'll touch upon them, but broadly speaking great questions thank you very much everyone a lot of food questions weirdly which we'll we'll, we'll do we'll come to last anyway first one comes to us from mushy scanland better be careful here because obviously this bloke holds the purse strings he says wait a second dennis specifically asked for a 2.5 hour window free from work on wednesday to record this question mark well mushy i don't want to tell you mate but i would be checking down on the bloody blackjack tables and see what he's doing in this time that he said that he was going to be recording with me because he's not doing that two and a half hour two and a half hour window as well I'll tell you what, he's taking the P155. Doesn't take that long to record. Um, Mushy, full internal investigation into this, into Dennis's malfeasance, I would have thought would be warranted. Uh, you know, he's let you down. He's let me down. Most importantly, he's let him. No, he hasn't let himself down. He's, he, he, wouldn't give a, he, he wouldn't give a toss about this. He'd be, he, he'd be fuming that he got caught. Anyway, uh, Dennis, hope the, hope the blackjack was worth it because you're cooked, mate. Mushy, go get him. Anyway, next question, magic question, comes to into us from David Riley. Who says what are your? Who asks what are your favourite and least favourite cards in Magic? My favourite is Nazumi Grave Robber. That's the two-one rat that flips, right? The old Kamigawa thing. Uh, and my least favourite is the OG Perforos. Now that's interesting. I, I quite like Perforos. I have a um, I have a, a four-color Blink EDH deck, and obviously it does have because oh, I'm bravely unafraid of cliche. It has Avenger of Zendikar and Crater Hoof Behemoth for the for the one-two punch to finish games. But if there's like I don't know, Ensnaring Bridge or some other nonsense that means that um, 
that means that I can't get in with uh, with combat damage. I have Perforos, so when I blink stuff or play, you know, blink an Avenger of Zendikar or whatever else, it just does ten thousand damage to everyone. So that's a uh, that's a way to get in there for damage. So I'm I'm sorry to hear that you don't like that card, David, because I'm quite a fan of it. Now everyone knows, of course, I've already talked about this. My favorite card in Magic is obviously Farseek. It's just I don't know, man. It's a card that was big at the, around the time that I started playing Magic um, back in 2012, 2013. Uh, it just does what I want in a Magic card in that it is a green ramp spell that also, you know, you can go and fetch a, a Hallowed Fountain with a green ramp spell. And I, it's just, it's something that really speaks to me. Um, I like decks that, I like the sorts of decks that play Farseek. Um, so Farseek, uh, and I guess if there was a runner up, it would probably be Thrag Tusk, again, just because of the memories that I have associated with that card. And I still try very hard. I mean, Blink deck, right? And I still try very hard to make it work in Historic. It doesn't really work in Historic, but that's not the point. As for my least favorite cards, I had to have a think about this one because, like, it, it's it's very, my, my least favorite cards are very flavor of the month. You know, there's not, like, a card that I despise and completely hate. I mean, there probably is. I have to think about it. But, you know, the ones that came to mind was stuff like um, Muxus. Right, because grinding the historic ladder for a while was just impossible because of that card. In the same kind of territory, Tibalt's Trickery. Tibalt's Trickery is probably actually very close to being my least favorite card, just because of how miserable it is or was to play against on on the arena ladder. I'm trying to think of a more well-rounded answer that sort of affects. I guess like card. Yeah, actually, here you go. Here's a category of card I don't like. Basically, every nickel bolus card. Because if they're just in decks that, like, I always feel like I should beat but then always lose to. And, like, Grixis Majors, come on. I mean, we don't need to get into this, but, yeah. Probably, if I had to pick a type of card, it's probably just any card with a, t- with a, with a, with a Planeswalker subtype Bolus. Because, I mean, they're cool and they're powerful, but they're just, ugh, man, they're so annoying. It's so tough to beat. Anyway, we got a good one here from Corel. This is not a magic-related question, but I'm going to get across it anyway. Here we go. Question from Corel who asks, what is your favorite quote and why? I had to have a think about this one because there are a couple. Um, a former colleague of mine gave me the advice, uh, worrying means you suffer twice, which is something that's always stayed with me. You know, if something's coming up, you're worrying about it, don't because it just if the bad thing that you're worrying about happens, it means that you've punished yourself before it happens and then after it happens as well. But that made me realize that, no, 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 there's actually something. That was the first thing that came to mind, but I realized, no, no, that's sort of a, an extension or, a, or it's related to another quote that I... I is. I try to keep with me and remember because it is, it's very useful. Now, you'll know probably if you're a long-term listener, I'm not religious at all. Um, uh, not like, not even the slightest bit. We don't have to get into it, but yes, I don't, I don't, I don't sort of have much truck with religion, broadly speaking. But there was a, a theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr, right? And the quote that he, he, uh, came up with coined or whatever it's often the the, way, the popular conception of it isn't exactly what he wrote i actually did some research about this heading into the episode because i wanted to find out about it but it's the serenity prayer and it's often said as god grant me the serenity to accept the things that i cannot change the, the courage to change the things that i can and the wisdom to know the difference right now niebuhr actually coined it as like this <clears throat> father give us courage to change what must be altered serenity to accept what cannot be helped and the insight to know the one from the other. So people have kind of adapted it a little bit. It has kind of changed uh, in, in people's minds and their conception of it. But there is something that about that that is, it, it's very useful to, to hold on to, the, to those words. You know, having the serenity to accept that you can't change, the courage to change what you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And it's the last one that's so important, you know, so you're not just 
pushing shit uphill or, 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 or alternatively giving up on something that you can affect. So having the wisdom to know the difference between what you can and can't change and the surrounding the courage to deal with them respectively is, yeah, I don't know. It's something that I hold on to. I guess I probably just should have said um, nothing ventured, nothing gained, or is it nothing ventured, nothing lost? I can't remember the real one anymore, but uh, that old episode will give you a giggle if you go and listen to that. Anyway, the Serenity Prayer, even though I'm not religious, I, uh, I do like that a lot. Anyway, the next one comes to us from Lazy Tacos, who asks, My basement flooded because of rain today. Now, did you mean to call <laughs> Did you mean to call a, uh, a DIY or a... a, a uh, uh, is, is this something that, you know, do you need to call workmen to your house to get this to uh, get this fixed, Lazy Tacos? Anyway, uh, no, uh, Lazy Tacos asks, My basement flooded because of rain today. What's the worst weather that you've been in? Where and what happened? Now... Funnily enough, it was also a flood and it wasn't a basement. I lived on the side of a hill growing up and in people in Melbourne remember 2004, I think it was in December, there were massive floods, torrential rain. Apps, it was unbelievable. It, like a meter of rain fell in an hour or something like that. It was, it was just, just incredible. Anyway, I woke up in the middle of the night as the rain is absolutely pelting down, making a ton of noise, right? And I realized very quickly that my bedroom floor was flooded, right? There was like 15 centimeters of water in my bedroom. So I'm on my bed howling and hollering. I'm like, you know, 13, 14 years old, 13, 14, yeah, 14 years old. Howling, hollering, yelling, screaming because, was it 2004? Maybe it was 2003, actually. I can't remember. Anyway, whenever it was, I was yelling and yelling to mum and dad, right? And... Because I was so, I was terrified, and I'll give you a good reason as to why. Anyway, I hear the splashing of water because the rest of the house is flooded. As one of my parents, it was thinking it was mum, came towards my door, and I was like, "No, no, mum, mum, don't come in! No, 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 I'm trapped!" Right? And she's like, "What's wrong?" Now, I loved video games then, love video games now, and there's one thing that video games taught me is it's that if there is like a power plug or an extension lead or a you know a power pack or anything else like that in water the entire body of water becomes electrified and very deadly. And, of course, you know, I had, I had like, the... What are they called? The the plugs where... You, like, the thing that you plug into the wall and then it's got, like, the power pack, right? It's got, like, one plug that you put in the wall and then it's got, like, four you can plug stuff into. I had a couple of them in my room. So I was convinced. I'm standing... I'm sitting in my bed yelling out because I'm convinced that if I get out of bed and step in the water, I'll be electrified and fried. I'll just die, right? Anyway, mum opens the door and walks in. And I'm like, no, no, mum, don't come in. And, and she didn't really know what was going on. But obviously that isn't how electricity works. There weren't blue arcs of electricity, you know, across the water or anything else like that. Uh, and, and it was fine. But I was trapped in bed thinking that if I got out of bed, I'd be fried and I'd die, of, you know, of electrical poisoning. Obviously that didn't happen, thankfully. But our house was buggered. We had to rip up all the carpet. We had to, like, all the, the bottom of the furniture was all stuffed as well. We had to get the couches redone and um, had to throw out a whole lot of stuff as well. Uh, I mean, it was all covered by insurance and it wasn't it wasn't a huge deal. But because we lived on the side of the hill, just a huge amount of water just basically flooded through our house and a lot of it stayed in our house as well. Um, and I remember the next morning going up to the park and the park was flooded. About a metre of water across, you know, all the football ovals and the, and the cricket pitches and all that sort of stuff. It had t- turned into a giant lake, you know. So that was I, I went. To, I wanted to go swimming across the cricket pitch, which uh, was which would have been really fun. Anyway, um, that's probably the worst weather I've ever had. Luckily, nothing dangerous or life threatening or anything else like that, like a hurricane or, a, or or you know typhoon or something. But yeah, I, I thought that my life was in danger there because of what video games had taught me. Anyway, all right. Our next question comes to us from Hobsworth here. What's your favourite city that you've ever lived in and why? 
Boring answer, probably just Melbourne. And I mean, I've lived in I've lived in uh, Toronto, which was good fun. I lived there briefly. I lived in uh, Champaign Urbana in uh, in Illinois, which was not. Um, lived in Berlin, which I did like, and and Glasgow as well, which has been all right, I guess. Don't love it here in Glasgow. It is cold and miserable all the time. I liked Berlin well enough, but the winters are just so brutal. It's dark. It's fr- I mean, Glasgow is not cold compared to Berlin. Berlin is freezing cold. But it, honestly, it's probably just Melbourne. I love Melbourne. Uh, I love Australia. Warm, sunny, you know. Melbourne's a lovely city as well. Very green. Um, so I, I do want to move back to Australia. I don't know if I live in Melbourne again. I'm probably priced out of the property market there, but... Um, yeah, Melbourne's a wonderful place. If you ever get the chance to visit once the world sort of opens up again properly, I, I highly advise you to head to Melbourne because it is a, it's a wonderful place. Anyway, next question comes to us from Corey Baumeister, who, of course, you'll recognise, one of my coverage colleagues, makes content for uh, Star City, oh, for the, the website whose name must not be said. Um, Corey Baumeister asks, what is or was your favourite event to commentate and why? This is a question I answered, I think, in uh, in episode 18. Uh, if I had to nail it down, it would be GP Birmingham, Gary Campbell winning. What what a show that was. Uh, obviously, the first show I ever did, GP Melbourne 2014, was huge as well. Paddy Robertson coming in second. Massive show. My first ever. Looked like an absolute child going back and looking at the videos of that. Um, but, yeah, Gary Campbell winning GP Birmingham, probably, probably an all-timer. Um, unless, I mean, assuming this is magic. Otherwise, if it's, uh, obviously, it's Red Bull Bolo 5. Doing the show in a castle, dressing up in medieval clothing, just incredible. The best show I've ever, ever done, ever. Um, technically, I didn't commentate there, I suppose, but if we're doing magic shows, it's GP Birmingham. If we're doing all-timers, it is Red Bull Wallow 5 from Heidelberg because that was that was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and I was so, so lucky to be a part of that. Incredible, incredible show. Uh, Corey also asks, uh, who is your favourite person to commentate with and why is it me? Ah, oh, Corey, of course, mate. Of course it's you. Of course you know that. Um, there's, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I don't know really why he asked that question because obviously yeah, my favourite person to commentate with, obviously, Corey Baumeister. Our next question comes to us from Juan Garcia, the Channel Fireball social media manager, who asks, what's the last lie you told? Uh, Juan, it's funny. Uh, so I did this, I did this podcast, right? Um, it's like a sort of gaming magic advice podcast to do with my friend Dennis. But anyway, so one week he wasn't able to turn up for um, uh, for recording. So I did an AMA and I, you know, I submit, asked people to submit questions and because um, I could go through and just fill an episode without, without uh, Dennis being here. Anyway, one of the questions was sent in by a coverage colleague of mine who asked who my favorite person to do to commentate with. And I just lied and said it was him. Just lied. Just said. Just said. Yep, mate. It's you. You know. Gave gave him the answer he wanted to hear because yeah, the the oh, the ego on this bloke, unbelievable. The self absorption. Oh, I mean, toxic. Really. I mean, everyone knows it. Anyway, uh, in all in all seriousness, uh, probably this is probably going to be boring answer. I, I boring answer. I don't really know, Juan. I don't tend to lie a whole lot. I don't, definitely don't like telling big lies. Um. Uh, so probably the real answer is like probably just a white lie that I told for like social convenience or whatever. Um, uh, I don't know. I can tell you about the stupidest and the most pointless lie that I can remember telling, but it's when I was a kid. When I was a kid, there were like these like Star Wars token things that you collect collect out of chip packets. They weren't cards, but they were kind of like that. They're like little things you'd collect and trade whatever else. And I was like, oh, they're all the kids. They they had them at school and they were trading, playing with them, that sort of stuff. And I was, I, I don't know. I think I must have been jealous. I don't know what. Like, 
my parents never really fell for stuff like this and they wouldn't buy us like packets of chips that often so we could collect them they, they, you know not like zero percent or whatever we'd still mum and dad still bought us treats and stuff which was nice but like I don't know why I lied about it, but I just told everyone that I'd already collected all of them and my parents weren't letting me bring the album that I had filled already into school. Which was, like, such nonsense as well because I'd collected other stuff, like little Pokemon cards and all that sort of stuff. My parents didn't ban me from... Like, they... I remember my parents banned me from taking in Harry Potter and the and the Goblet of Fire when it came out because I think they knew that I would just read it under the desk all day and not pay attention. That was probably wise of them. But I just lied and was like, oh, no, I've already collected all of them and, yeah, I'm not allowed to bring them to school. And people were like, oh, wow, really? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just, I, got, I, I did it pretty quick, I guess. I don't know. It's no big deal. But I just lied to, like, the rest of the kids at school and was like, I, had, I already had this full collection. Anyway, when one of them came over to my house and like, oh, can we see, like, can I see your, your, all the Star Wars cards you got? I was like, No. <laughs> And I didn't have an answer why. I just lied. I don't know why. I'm very embarrassed even to this day. I guess I was just like jealous of everyone else's collections and wanted to be part of the conversation or whatever. But I just, it was the most pointless lie as well because it obviously came out and then I looked like such a deal at school because people were just like, oh, Riley doesn't have any of them. I, was like, I mean, I had a few, but whatever. But I definitely didn't have the whole collection like I said I did. So that was a very dumb lie that I told. I, I'm sure it's not the most recent lie I've told because, you know, everyone lies all the time about all sorts of stuff for, you know, again, just social ease. But I don't know, Juan, I don't tend to lie very much about big things because um, it's just, it's, I mean, it's a lot of hassle to remember which lie, who, what, what lie you've told whom. And eventually, I mean, I, I think that it, eventually it all just comes out in the wash. And, uh, and so, I don't know, generally speaking, it's better to tell the truth. Lama asks, what is more difficult, riding a horse or learning to play Age of Empires 2? Lama is someone who has obviously watched me struggling to learn how to play, how to play Age of Empires 2, a very difficult game. Uh, whereas riding a horse, I've been told, I have a good authority that it is not hard to ride a horse. Uh, so I would have to say, I think in fairness, learning to play Age of Empires 2 is more difficult than riding a horse, given that it is not hard to ride a horse. And Age of Empires 2, very complicated, very difficult game to play well. It's fun, but it's a fun that you really have to work for. Um, you know, we can't all just sit back in the saddle, relax, take it easy. You know, some of us, we have to worry about APM. We have to worry about idle time. We have to worry about, you know, macro, micro, all the rest of it. So must be nice for all the people out there just cruising along on horseback, taking it easy, or, you know, sometimes not on horseback, just taking it easy. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks off here in hospital when you fall off, break your arm, all that sort of stuff. Oh, life, absolute life, mate. That sounds wonderful. Anyway, uh, no, I definitely say, I definitely say Age of Empires 2 is harder. Great question here from Lava Spike, who asks, if you didn't go into teaching or commentating, which career path would you end up in? I can't remember if I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but this is going to be a weird one. Can I tell you this? It's going to be a weird one. I've always wanted to get into gardening. And it's always something that I thought I would do, like, when I'm older, you know. Because my grandma, my nan, she was, oh, she had a beautiful garden. She was always out there potting around the garden, you know, bloody doing, the, pulling the weeds out, repot. I don't know what you do in your garden, repotting stuff. I don't know, putting fertilizer on. I don't know what she was doing. Anyway, she had a beautiful garden. I love playing in it. And I've always thought, I'll get into gardening one day. And I've, I, it's always been something like, I'll just do it when I'm old. You know, it'll be my sort of, as I move towards retirement, that'll be the thing I'll really start to just get out of the garden and just enjoy building a little, a, a, a beautiful little atmosphere for myself out there. But I guess it, it's something that I've thought about as well. Like if I, for some reason, I, I don't know how it would happen, but let's just imagine like, I don't know, 
I can't keep doing content. And for some reason, like my teaching credentials are lost in a house fire and I can never prove that I've got the qualification to be a teacher, which I don't think would ever happen because I could just go to the, deg- the university and be like, can I have another copy of my degree, please? But let's say for whatever reason, I can't be a teacher, can't be a content creator, can't do anything else. I think I'd like to be a gardener. I don't know why it's difficult to for me to justify this other than I think it would be nice to be outdoors, uh, sun on your back, you know, plant ma- making a, 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 a space. Like, you know, a garden that you have in like, you know, public parks and that sort of stuff. I think I'd enjoy that. Work at a, a, a botanic gardens or, or, or even just like a landscaping company or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I don't, you know, I, I'm a very soft uh wimpy boy who's never done a proper day's work in his life i did work for a bricklaying company for very briefly in high school but that wasn't a real real sort of that wasn't you know that wasn't a career or anything for me it was something that i just tried out like work experience and then never never went back to it but it was interesting to do but i i look i don't know if i'd actually have what it takes to to be a gardener i don't know if I'd, i i don't know if i could actually you know suck up the the hard yakker that is involved in um, stuff like landscaping. That's, I'd like to think that I could, but I'm probably a lot weaker and a lot less tough than I think I am. So uh, I like the idea of being a gardener. I like the idea of landscaping and, and that sort of thing. But I don't I don't know if I could actually, you know, tough it out. But that's the answer. If I didn't get into teaching commentating, I think I would like to be, I think I'd like to be a gardener. I think that would be quite nice. Anyway, the next question here, Gibson Cat. Since Dennis is away touristing, if there were a theme park or a tourist attraction catered specifically to you, what would it look like? I have to say, I've never been one for theme parks. Um, I think I've been to a few as like a youngster when I was a kid. I remember going to Movie World. I remember, <laughs> I remember going to Movie World on the Gold Coast when I was a kid. And they had this like stunt performance, right? Where they had people jumping out of windows and like they smashed up a car and they set something on fire. And it was supposed to be so like, it was basically just like, special effects but in real life right like all these visual effects and when i think back on what it must have been now as an adult i'm like geez that'd be that would have been amazing i was i remember this very distinctly i was taken away from that demonstration in tears by my mum because i was so sad that they had smashed up a car and set fire to a building and a guy had jumped out of a window you know and broken glass and all that sort of stuff and i was i remember sobbing mum going what's going to happen to all the stuff they broke mum they all they broke it can they fix it again because i was like four or five years old and i didn't understand that you know it was just special effects i thought they'd come and smashed all this stuff up and i felt terrible for them um but no, I don't know. I've never really enjoyed theme parks hugely. As for a tourist attraction, I'll tell you, I mean, I think I've made it clear I love hiking, right? And one of my favorite places to visit on earth is Garmisch-Partenkirchen in Germany, uh, in, in southern Bavaria on the border. Just a beautiful mountain town surrounded by three mountains, incredible walks through the alpine forests. There's rivers and gorges and lakes and mountains and forests and hills. Just, It's just, it is, it's wonderful. It is just, it is, I think it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite place on earth, right? However, two things that always get me down whenever I visit Garmisch Partenkirchen. There is no good food there. I just just there's just nothing to eat that I'm going to enjoy, right? Because it's all German food and we all know what German food is like. Um and secondly, I like climbing mountains. I don't like walking down mountains so much because your knees puts a lot of strain on, it gets buggered, you're tired. Like you spent all your energy getting to the top of the mountain, you sit there, you enjoy the view, beautiful, right? But then the way back down is like, ugh, miserable because it hurts and you're tired and you just want to be back, right? So what I would like, right, what I would like is 
for for in terms of a tourist attraction or like somewhere to get away or go on holiday, is a place like Amish Park Gershon, beautiful mountains, forests, you know, lakes, rivers, all the rest of it, right? Beautiful place to walk, climb up mountains, beautiful view. But then I would like there to be a place at the top of those mountains where I can have my dinner or have my lunch or whatever time I get up there. And they sell burgers and chips and just like one of them all you can eat buffets, basically, right? Just something, there's a bit of, yeah, it's just something for everyone. Oh, beautiful. Just garbage, bottom of the barrel, lowest common denominator food. I'd love that. And then when you're finished, right? At the door, did you, does that, has everyone read like um, the, what is it, the Magic Faraway Tree? So the Magic Faraway Tree, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, a story about kids who find this enchanted wood and they climb to the top of the, the, the tree. The biggest tree in the wood is called the faraway tree. And it's so big that it's the, it's top branches going to the clouds. And there's a bloke who at the top of the tree, he lives there and his name is Moonface, right? And you'll be surprised to learn he's got the face of a moon. And in he, he manages the, uh, the slide that goes down the inside of the tree that's used for people to get out. So... You climb to the top of the tree, but once you want to go down, you go to Moon Faces, you knock on the door, and he gives you a cushion, and you sit on the cushion on the slide, and you whiz around the inside of the tree, you get all the way down, then a squirrel collects the cushions and sends it back up back up, back up to Moonface, right? If there were such a service at a mountain, if I could walk out of the place that I just had my beautiful dinner in and walk through a door, sit down on a cushion, and sit on a slide to go all the way down to the bottom of the mountain so I didn't have to wreck my knees walking back down, i tell you what, it would be magnificent. That... That would be the perfect holiday des- destination for me. A, a, a mountain town with, um, with uh, you know, an all-you-can-eat buffet restaurant at the top of the mountains and then a slide that would take you back down, you know, to, to, the, to the mountain town at the, at the bottom of the mountain uh, without having to wreck your knees walking all the way back down. So, Gibson Cat, that would be my ideal tourist attraction getaway type place. That, that actually sounds magnificent. I mean, seeing as we're just living in fantasy, let's put a tropical beach there as well, right? So I could decide whether I want to climb a mountain that day or go and hang out in the tropical beach in beautiful warm water like Queensland. I don't know. Can you even get alpine mountains next to tropical beaches? Probably not. But hey, this is our fantasy land and that's that's what's going to happen. Beautiful. Excellent. All right, done. Also, the, the beach on the, the, the sand on the tropical beach isn't like sticky, doesn't, doesn't like, it's, it's beautiful soft sand that like, doesn't get everywhere. Like, you know, Anakin Skywalker. Another question, your final one before we move on to the food section here. Uh, it's an interesting one from Chase Finley who asks, you are creating the Australia plane in MTG. What is your low-hanging fruit for this set? All right. What do we need? We need... Do we have, like, cards that represent the cities? This is something I need to think about a lot. We could have vehicles, Holden Commodore. There's a vehicle card. Don't even worry about that. Um, what else do we want? What are some iconic things you want from Australia? I guess the land cards could be used to represent, like, you know, beaches. We have beaches. That'd be, that'd be lovely. Deserts. We'll bring back deserts. Obviously, we... Oh, there's low-hanging fruit. The Australia plane, deserts. We're bringing back deserts. Back from Amonkhet once again. Deserts, beautiful. All right, we got that. Um, We would need creatures with death touch. <laughs> Maybe it's just a thing. Maybe it's the... You know how Ikoria had all the, like, keyword ability stuff that was that played around with that? We'll do that with the Australia plane, except everything's just... It's just... It's the death touch theme set. You know, like, Ravnica is multicolour and Theros is enchantments. The Australia set is the death touch set. All the creatures have death touch or variants of death touch, that sort of thing. Yep, good, good, good. All right, that's great. What else do we want? Um, could we have a surfboard as a vehicle? I guess we could. Yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, food. Australia's not really known for its food, is it? 
No, we won't bring back food for Australia. Australia's not known for its food. What else do we want, though? We've got beach, we've got desert, we've got uh, something rubbish about all the other cities that aren't, you know, Melbourne. Maybe like enchantments or something that come down, or artifacts come down with a downside, except Melbourne's the best one, obviously. That'd be good. Um, what about people? Who do we want? When I think of famous Australians, I think of Stephen Bradbury, the, uh, the, the, one of the first Australians to ever win a, a medal at the Winter Olympics. Um, go and look up the video. So Stephen Bradbury won a gold medal in the speed skating. It's not a joke because everyone else either fell over or got disqualified. He had no right to win. He was not a very good... I mean, he's, I mean, obviously, Olympic level, but Olympic level Australian speed skater is very different to an Olympic level, I don't know, Norwegian uh, speed skater. But he won the gold because everyone fell over in front of him and he, you know, limped across the line. So good on you. He's an absolute hero. Have him there. Creature with haste. Um, can take down creatures that are more powerful than him or something like that. What else do we want? Who else have we got? Famous Australians. Uh, why can I not think of any other famous Australians other than, like, Auntie Donna, Hamish and Andy, I don't know. I just I don't want to just be like Kanye Minogue and Steve Irwin and Hugh Jackman because that's like that's that, that's Australia for the the rest of the world. I want to make like Australians. You know, I want like Bert Newton, right? Rest in peace. I want him in there. I want like um, you know, uh, what's his name? The, the hello Frank Walker from National Tiles. That sort of stuff. I want like Benita from from Play School. You know, the things that that as, as only Australians are going to know, right? Let's get like what's his name the the kid who had the sunglasses and and did the the famous street party. This is not interesting podcasting for anyone. What was his name? Corey? I think it was Corey. It wasn't Corey Baumeister. Corey. What's his name? His famous sunglasses. That was, oh mate. Get the Wiggles in there, mate. Get the Wiggle. Like oh, I guess the, I guess the Wiggles are world famous, aren't they? Anyway, I guess that would be what I'd, I'd be looking for. Um, you know, people from like. Eddie McGuire, oh, no, not him, actually. Daryl Summers, you know. Get Larry Emder on a magic card. That's who I want, you know. There we go. That's those are. That's only going to be interesting for people who have a, an intimate knowledge of Australia, like growing up in Australia for the last, you know, 30-odd years. But that's that's those are my picks, all right? All right. We're going to move on now to a new topic. This topic is food. Got a lot of food-related questions here, which is interesting. Um, uh, I like. I know that I have, I guess, unconventional food opinions, and I'm happy to. I mean, I, I'm happy to die on, on this hill. But thank you to the people who submitted food-related questions because we're gonna we're gonna get real real nasty here. Doctor Patrick Robertson, former housemate of mine, second uh, runner-up at GP Melbourne 2014, and a good friend, and one of the only reasons you're listening to this podcast right now, actually, a uh, Patty. Paddy, a very important causal link in my magic career being what it was. Although I remember when I first sent the email off to Rich Hagen asking if he needed a, an extra commentator for coverage, Paddy gave me a 5% chance at even getting a reply. So that was the most important natural 20 of my life. Anyway, Patrick, Paddy Robertson asks, is it true that if you had the option, you'd be comfortable with subsisting on a grey nutrient-rich paste rather than actual food? Patrick, I don't know why you're answering, answering this, uh, asking me this question. You know the answer. And the answer is, of course, yes, I would. I have talked extensively about how if, you know how in, like, in your house, for most people, there is a tap and you turn it on and water comes out. And hopefully, for most people, you're able to drink that water untreated. You know, you just drink it out of, out of the tap and, you, you know, you can drink Coke or you can drink, you know, milk or other stuff if you want, but you don't have to. 
You can just drink water. There's no need to drink anything else. I wish there were the same with food. I wish there were a tap next to the water tap that was a food tap and you just turn it on and like the stuff that they eat in the Matrix, right, on the Nebuchadnezzar, that just came out and you could eat that and you never needed to eat anything else. I don't understand why we do this with water, but we don't do it with food. It doesn't make any sense to me. I do find eating to be tiresome and a chore sometimes because, I mean, I like nice food. I like eating nice food. Obviously, everyone does, you know, but it just sometimes it's, it's I'm hungry again. Whereas if I'm thirsty, I'm just like, yep, okay, water. Problem solved. Whereas with foods, like make the food, you know, prepare it, cook it, eat it. Boring. You know, who's got the time? So, yes, Patrick, I would subsist off a grey nutrient-rich paste if possible. And imagine, like, the other thing is, you know, if you drink water all week and then on the weekend you're like, ah, oh, you have a nice cold glass of ginger beer. Oh, it tastes even better. Whereas if you're drinking ginger beer every day, it's not as nice. Same thing. Eat your paste all week. Mm, you have a delicious cheeseburger and chips on the weekend. Oh, it'll go down real nice. So... I'm not ashamed of this opinion. I stand by it. And thank you, Patty, for giving me the opportunity to soapbox about it. Little Sergeant Sandman 2 asks, soda or chocolate milk? Now, I assume when you say soda, you mean like soft drink, fizzy drink, like, you know, Coke, Fanta, Sprite, whatever else, or chocolate milk. Very easy one here, chocolate milk. Love chocolate milk. Um, I tend not to get it too much because um, I think it was Sarah Silverman who taught me this. Make it a treat. I think, yeah, she she wrote a, an autobiography. I think it was Sarah Silverman. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm like 90% sure. You know, her autobiography, she talked about how, like, she just smoked a ton of weed. Like, so much weed. All the, all, like, all day, every day, she was she was, she was was on the devil's lettuce, right? And one of her friends was like, you got to stop. And she's like, I'll do whatever I want. And the friend was like, no, 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 you're going to ruin it, man. Like, you've got to stop smoking so much weed just so when you do, it's a treat, right? And it will be nicer and be more special, right? And so she cut back, and it's true. Like, if you do something all the time every day, like what I was saying with, um, you know, cheeseburgers, whatever else. You eat cheeseburgers all, every, all day, every day. They just don't become as nice, right? So I love chalky milk, but I don't tend to get it. I get uh, maybe, like, once every couple of weeks as a little treat because it's, yeah, something nice, something special. And if I had it all the time, it would lose its luster. So definitely chocolate milk, easy. Another one like this comes into us from Brett A. Maguire, who asks, cake or pie? Now, what's really funny about this question, Brett, and I'm, you know, I, I, I am imagining, I'm, I'm assuming here that you're an American asking this question, because for uh, for me, and I think for um, you know people in other parts of the English-speaking world, Britain and whatever else, when these are not, this is not like a an either-or that we would ask cake or pie because a cake obviously you know almost always sweet a confection you know something a dessert something you eat you know it's a sweet thing whereas a pie is savory like if if i if you ask me without any other context like bring me a pie i would bring you a pie with meat in it like that a meat pie is the normal pie right for me whether it's like usually it's steak you can have like steak and kidney pie delicious um uh, chicken pie Fantastic. Boss Castle pies in Australia, oh, so good, right? Because um, they've got, like, you know, chicken curry pies and oh, all sorts of stuff. Macaroni pies over here in Scotland, very big. But they are, yeah, a pie is a savoury food for me. So when you say cake or pie, it's kind of like asking, oh, uh, you know, donuts or pizza, which I guess is, like, a thing you can do, but they're not – one isn't replacing the other. The question, the answer is probably pie. Um. By my standards, by the because I like savoury food. I'm not a huge sweet tooth, but I don't mind it. But yeah, a pie, like a, a beautiful meat pie, beef and gravy, mm, very very delicious. If we're talking about your pies, like American pies, almost certainly cake because pies like apple pie, blueberry pie, whatever else, fruits aren't meant to be cooked. 
fruits like there is not there is not a single there is not a single fruit that is made better by cooking and pies with fruit in them i mean cake with fruit in them i don't i guess the one exception i'll make is like blueberry muffins i don't mind a blueberry muffin but which is just a i guess a small blueberry cake but like apple pie no absolutely not what are you doing cooking apples mate like pear as well no don't cook fruit man Unless you're making jam, I suppose. I do like jam. Jam is cooked fruit, isn't it? Anyway, point is, don't cook fruit, all right? We weren't meant to cook fruit. It's not It's not a cookable. It's not supposed to be cooked. It's not vegetables. Eat your carrots raw. What's wrong with you? So pie, I guess, unless it's a sweet pie, in which case cake. Tuppence Gallery has got some either or questions for us as well. Coke or Pepsi, largely irrelevant. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't either. I don't care that they. I, I, I'm not saying they taste the same because they don't. If I had to pick, I guess Pepsi just because it'll annoy Megan because she says Pepsi is disgusting when it's not different enough for Coke for people to not like the taste of it. Um, who I mean, she loves Coke but she doesn't like Pepsi, which doesn't make any sense to me. So Pepsi just to, I guess X her a little bit. Chips or pretzels? Pretzels are a waste of time, man. Pretzels are more air than they are pretzels. So chips, hundred percent chips. That's an easy one. Big like a, a nice like. Fresh hot pretzel is fine, but I'd still rather a bag of chips, I think, than even a hot, like a hot pretzel, I think, yeah. They're, they're nice, but they're just, it's just like bread, you know. No, chips, I think. And then finally, Crim or Palo Vita Dama de Rosa. Am I eating them, Tuppence Gallery? Am I eating Crim or Palo Vita Dama de Rosa? I mean, I guess it depends on the context. Is, is this a sort of like... You know, burning building, I can only save one. As funny as it would be to, you know, vex Krim by leaving him in a burning building, I don't want him to die. Is this something, like, am I, what am I doing with it? Am I teaming with him at a GP? Are they training me on how to play magic? Is this, is this a, you know, are we making content together? A difficult question to ask. In a vacuum, obviously, I'll just say PV because I like to wind up Krim. But both of them have, obviously, wonderful individual merits. Palo V. Damodaro is one of the greatest players of all time. Hall of Famer. Wonderful bloke. Worked with him uh, as, you know, a coverage colleague. Did coverage with him. He was one of, one of my favorite. Pa- Obviously, not my favorite. My favorite, Corey Baumeister, but one of my favorite people to work with. Um, uh, and as a player as well. Enormous amount of respect for that bloke. Uh, Krim uh, is, um, Krim has, well, so the good thing about, so here, here's the great thing about Krim. It's, um, he, well, so, uh, um, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry again. Here's what I really like about Krim. Uh, he, um, I, I guess PV, whatever. Lancaster Mage says, what fried chicken gets your highest score on BDM's patented blocks past Popeye's scale? Now, I don't know this this scale. Um, I'd have to ask BDM what, he, what, he, what, what, what it involves, but I imagine it's like, we're, at a, we're standing at a Popeye's. There's a fried chicken place X number of blocks down the, the road. How many blocks does it have to be before I'm like, no, no, we'll just go to Popeye's. I really like Popeye's. Uh, one of my favorite things about visiting America is eating fried chicken from places like Popeye's. Probably Bojangles out, outstrips Popeye's for me, I think. Yeah, I think I'd probably go to Bojangles before I go to Popeye's. But the best fried chicken I've ever had was in Charlottesville in Virginia. And it was Zaxby's, dude. And I don't think Zaxby's is a nationwide chain in the US. I don't know where it is or like what its deal is. I wasn't able to find, I've never been able to find any other Zaxby's anywhere. But Zaxby's made the best fried chicken I've ever had in my entire life. And it's not close. Um, it was so good. And there was so much of it. 
the United States of America, you know how to eat. Over here in Glasgow, there's a place called Bucks Bar, which does fantastic fried chicken as well. Uh, but I mean, come on. It's Scottish. It's not American. If there's one, if there, if there, if there, uh, if there's one country that knows how to fry a chook, it is the United States of America. So Zaxby's, I would say. Final um, food question comes to us here from David Riley. Two questions for the price of one, David. Look at that. What is the nicest or most expensive meal that you've enjoyed and not felt bad about its cost? I don't expect to be any sort of two-star restaurant. Why not go somewhere with four or more stars anyway? A very good question, but I'm hoping it's something more yummy than fast food. Um, okay, I'm going to have to see if this is actually still available so I can read you the uh, read you what's on this. Yeah, okay, here it is. So there is a pub, right, in Fitzroy um, in Australia, in Melbourne, right? It is, it is, uh, and they have a, a signature dish, which is just incredible. The, hotel, the the pub is called the Napier Hotel, and they have their signature dish, the Bogan Burger. Now, the Bogan Burger is incredible. For those of you who don't know, Bogan is a word in, in Australia that roughly equates to uh, redneck in the United States. Not quite redneck, but close enough, or, or chav in the UK, right? So, someone who's a little rough around the edges, maybe not super well educated, you know, sort of, yeah, you understand what I mean by Bogan. And so the Bogan Burger, uh, well, it actually isn't a burger, strictly speaking. It is actually, a, it, I guess you'd talk, call it a steak sandwich because it doesn't have a burger patty in it, right? It's got, it's a, it's got, and I don't like steak. People know this, I don't like steak, but I will make an exception to the Bogan Burger, right? So Turkish bread roll, beautiful. Got a steak, lovely, right? And then as well as that, it's got cheese, beautiful. Bit of onion, lovely. Uh, we do love beetroot in our burgers in Australia, so there is beetroot on that. I, I don't mind a bit of beetroot in a, in a burger. Um, and then bacon and egg, love that, right? So so far, sounding like a fantastic, a beautiful dish, right? You got you got your steak, bacon, egg, cheese, onion, beetroot. Nothing nothing too weird about that. There's also pineapple, and I know that's going to be a divisive one for many. Pineapple on uh, on savoury food is not something that everyone uh, everyone is all about, but love a bit of pineapple. Pineapple on it as well. But then it starts to get really wild because I'll tell you that there's also a potato cake in the burger. A potato cake, for those of you who don't know, potato scallop for some parts of Australia. Potato, what, how to describe potato cake? Potato cake is a flat disc of potato that has been um, battered and fried. Look it up. You'll see. They're delicious. They're really, really good. You, you get them at fish and chip shops in Australia. So, steak, bacon, egg, cheese, onion, pineapple, beetroot, potato cake, and on top of that, a chicken schnitzel. And then on the side some wedges and like a tiny bit of salad because they know you're not there to eat the salad. It's very expensive. It is very delicious. And it is not the sort of burger that you can pick up and eat with your hands. You do have to eat it with a knife and fork. It is just that much bloody food. And every time I've gone there, it is just, oh, you you leave with the most wonderful filled belly. So I would say, David, that that is the nicest and and most expensive meal that I've like enjoyed and not felt bad about the cost. I've gone in there, happily put down the 25 bucks or whatever it is, um, for the uh, for the Bogan Burger, I wonder if they still sell it. I mean, I haven't been to the Napier for years. Uh, Napier Hotel. Let's see if they're still going. NapierHotel.com.au. Uh, let's jump over onto the menu here. Um, oh no! Oh no! Really? Do they not have it? Oh, the Napier Hotel. What's happened to you? Mains vegan pan fried pumpkin chicken parmigiana char grilled char grilled kangaroo salad. A bit of kangaroo is very very nice indeed. Oh dear. Okay, now I'm looking through. Ah. Still there. The Bogan Burger. Steak, schnitzel, bacon, egg, potato cake, pineapple, beetroot, onion, tomato, cheese, wedges, and salad. $28? 
$28. Jeez, it has gone up. It has gone up. It used to be $15.50 back in the day. It used to be $15.50. 28 bucks. Holy moly. Oh, well, I guess that's inflation for you. Anyway, that's the answer. Bogenberger, if you're ever in uh, Melbourne, Napier Hotel, Bogenberger, you will not walk away with an empty stomach. Guarantee you that. Final questions here. Final questions. Um, all of them to do with Dennis, interestingly enough. I did, we did get some Dennis-related questions. Got a couple of them here. First one comes to us from Ben Tat, who asks, does Dennis talk that fast IRL or does he modulate for the podcast? You've talked before about your performance personality. Does Dennis have one as well? Um, Dennis does talk that fast. I feel like I talk very fast as well, and I'm like that IRL as well as when I'm, um, you know, uh, making content. Um does Dennis have a – he does talk that fast. Does he have a performance personality? To an extent. I would say to a lesser a lesser pronounced extent than me, uh, there's quite a big difference between off and on, Riley. Whereas Dennis, no. Broadly speaking, Dennis is like that IRL. Like, you know, he loves to tell a story, loves to have a lend of you, loves to, you know, play silly buggers and, and vex you, whatever else. Um, whereas I'm very quiet and sort of introverted a lot of the time when I'm not performing. Dennis is – the thing is, like, whenever Dennis and I are hanging out, though, we're having a good time and we're chatting and, you know, we're sort of a bit more on than we would usually be. I don't know what Dennis is like when he's by himself because obviously he's by himself. But um, I would say probably the delta between me on and off is much larger than Dennis's on and off. But I, I obviously, yeah, obviously he, like, you know, puts it on a bit for the podcast because – um, but he, I don't think he has a – I don't think he has a performance personality. I also don't think I have a performance personality. I'm not – like, this is not – this is just – you know, imagine a – a sound mixer who's turning up the bass, turning down the treble, changing the faders, moving all that sort of stuff. That's what it is. It's not putting on a completely different mask. It's just turning up some things, turning down others, because that's what you know performance requires. That's what. And there, there are people like, oh, you just be yourself. Well, sure, you don't have much of an idea about what it, what the entertainment industry involves if if you think that's that's how it works. So, no, I would say that Dennis is uh, is not as doesn't have as hugely pronounced differences in his in the way that he behaves when he's off and on. So that's, that, would, that would be my assessment. We could ask him that, actually, then. Follow that up, follow that up with him next week, maybe, if he returns. Um, the next question comes to us from Hugo, who asks, what is Dennis's most embarrassing secret? And listen, if you've, listened, if you've, if you've been with the podcast, to the, to, you know, if you've listened all the way, this isn't really something I should share. Dennis has asked me not to tell anyone. But, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him for this because of how he's how he handles it and how he's moved on from it. But Dennis's most embarrassing secret is, and you mustn't tell anyone, he is or was, I suppose, a juggalo. Dennis was a fan of Insane Clown Posse with the face paint and the the Fago and and all the rest of it. Like to the point, you know, he, there are pictures of him with the with the with his face done in the black and white makeup and all that sort of stuff, you know, his subscription to Fago of the Month Club, all that sort of stuff. Now, he doesn't like talking about this with good reason. Obviously, he doesn't want to be mocked relentlessly. And again, this comes from a place of great respect for Dennis because he has moved on from it. He has sort of, you know, we all had embarrassing phases when we were young. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses for Dennis, but like I think people have should be given the chance to, you know, move on and, and and demonstrate that they're, they're not the people that they used to be. And so that's the reason that I – and I know the community is going to be very respectful of this. I know that you would never dream of going on Twitter, going on Discord and just mocking Dennis relentlessly and, you know, finding the old photos of him in Juggalo makeup or if you can't find them, making new ones in Photoshop. Obviously, no one's going to be doing that. I imagine 
people aren't going to be sending him pictures of him, you know, with his face photoshopped into, you know, f- uh, with b- bottles of Fago and, and all the rest of it. But, uh, you know, look, it has had a lasting impact on him. I, I sat him down the other week because it was really frustrating me because he was insisting that we still don't have an, a scientific explanation of how magnets, uh, of, of, of magnetism. He was like, no, like we still don't. It's one of the things that we just, as scientists, like science, like Dennis, we do know this. Like you, 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 need, you need to understand like that's not, it's not accurate, uh, you know, what uh, what Violent J and, and, and Shaggy 2 Dope were saying about magnets being, you know, a miracle or whatever else. We do understand fundamental forces like magnetism. And he's like, no, 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 that's not the case. Showed him some research. Still doesn't believe me. So, you know, again, I admire Dennis for coming to terms with his cultural past and all the rest of it. And, and you know, I don't judge him for it. Certainly not trying to mock him for this or anything else like that. But, uh, yeah, no, he was he, he was a juggalo for, for a good a good deal of his life and uh, had a big part in it. But, as I say, trying to move on from it. And I imagine the entire smart community will be very respectful of this, not going to mock him for anything else like that. Kind of kind of leans into our, our last our final question here. It comes to us from John Now, What's your favorite thing about Dennis that you'd never, ever admit to him? I guess I just am really proud of him for for coming to terms with this sort of, you know, cultural nadir that he had and, and the way that he deals with it. I do wish that he'd be a bit more because, you know, he's going to deny it. This is what's going to happen here is that, like, people are going to say, oh, you know, found out because Riley told him. I think it's time for him to just accept it because he'll be like, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Riley's making up, making this up for entertainment. Point. Like, he's just trying to make some silly goofs on the podcast. He's just going to come out with all these denials. I can see it now. He's not actually going to admit to it. But, you know, one of my favorite things about Dennis is is that he does ultimately he will face facts. He will admit the truth. He will, you know, he's a very reasonable, he's a very realistic man. And so, John, to answer your question, what's my favorite thing about him? I mean, maybe I'm cheating because I would admit this to him. I know that in his heart of hearts, he knows the truth. And I think that he'll, he may do himself a disservice by denying it, but I would admire him a lot if he just came forward and was just like, you know what, it is true part of my life. You know, I I, I was down to clown. You know, I, I did look up to Shaggy too dope. I hope to be as dope as Shaggy was. Um, although I don't know we wanted to be as violent as Violent J. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do admire Dennis a lot for, for, for coming to terms with some of the some of the nadirs of his cultural past. Anyway, that's what she wrote today, sports fans. That is the AMA question for today. Thank you, AMA uh, episode for today. Thank you to everyone who wrote in questions. Uh, good on all of you. Um, I appreciate every single one of them that was sent in. And uh, hopefully this is a good listen. Uh, even if, I mean, look. We'll we'll look at the numbers on the back end. We'll see if there is a dip in in listeners uh, when it's just me doing an episode. And if not, well, it's very clear who's bringing the heat when it comes to recording this podcast. Maybe Dennis isn't actually. No, I don't want. Oh no, I really don't want to do this by myself every week. Dennis probably a very necessary part of this. Please come back to me, Dennis. Um, you know this community obviously still loves and and, and supports you even after having found out your uh, uh you know your checkered past. But don't worry about it, man. We're here to support you. Uh, but thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, quick Charizard Me River, what did I play? I played Description, finished it. It was amazing. You should finish, you should play it as well. It's really good. Um, and apart from that, not much. Adrian Pose. Magic the Gathering. That's it. Please send any questions. Discord. You can do it on, on Twitter as well. There were some people who like asked advice questions in that, and we'll get to them. Uh, for ask, well, I was asking about AMA questions. I'll get to them next week, of course. Um, wasn't doing advice questions by myself. I need Dennis's wisdom to to balance out my uh, my idiocy. So, be good to have him back next week. I hope. 
But until then, take care of yourselves. Thank you very much to Channel Fireball. Uh, make sure to go and uh, go and have a look at uh, premiercardgrading.com. Uh, coupon code NIGHT at checkout. As again, the, the podcast, we are retiring the coupon code SMA. So uh, that'll be something that, uh, you know, we can talk about next week as well. Just remind people of that. Um, and thank you to Joe Kim Karad for the use of the theme song, Shine. Go and listen to his music. It's all free. It's all fantastic. And uh, you'll love it. That's it. We're done. Channel Fireball. Premier Card Grading. Joe Kim Karad. Stay for a shoot, guys.